And we're here on this week's KM Podcast. Ken Brown from WGR Radio. Michael here at DetroitLions.com as we talk Lions football. Hello, Mike. Hello there, Kenny Brown. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, two weeks to Thursday for this draft. Now I'm getting the juices flowing. Now I'm getting excited. Now <laughs> things are happening. It's dragging. Kenny, you've been talking about this. No, you've been talking about this draft for two years. We ago. can talk <laughs> about it, but when it gets to about, I, my thing is when you get to the final two weeks, stuff starts happening. And you know what, Mike? We've been doing this podcast a couple of years now. And I'm, I'm sick of talking to you, so I had to bring guests on today because you wore me out the last six weeks. So we have to get. We got, yeah, I know you wore me out. You wore me out. So we got to get new blood in here today, just to help us out a little bit. Talk draft. We got my friend Scott Bischoff on the line. This is the staff writer for Football Guy. You, he's Sean Belizean's guy. When they do the Woodward Report, they do a bunch of stuff together. I'm not stealing him from Sean. I'm just borrowing him for the day. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Just for the, I'm, I'm great. How are you guys? All right, so Sean, he, you, you're going back with him. Don't worry about it. I won't take you forever, but it's all right. I got a lot of things to tell Sean. <laughs> That's right. And Scott it's is good one, to be on with both you guys. Oh, cool. fantastic. And Scott is one of the main guys. He's a scouting background. He knows this game. He knows the players. He's just not some guy talking. So listen up and listen to the words he says because things are happening. First of all, for both of you guys, Michael here, I know you having your mock draft. What, what number are you on there? I've done three. I've got one more coming up before the draft. Okay. You're doing the Lord's work. It is a mess to write those. It really is. Has it, has it changed, I, Mike, in your three um, three volumes? No, you, I, you know, Kenny, my my first two were, uh, were uh, Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, and my, my third one was I switched to the wide receiver, Jamar Chase. You know, barring some I don't know what – it's probably going to be one of those two guys in my final mock, and I can flip a coin for both of them. Well, the thing I want to talk to you both about is interesting. We're going to get to the Lions pick in a minute because it seems like the Lions, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brad Holmes' work is going to be – he's going to build this team through the draft. We They talk about it all the time. Then they go out and sign a bunch of high-priced free agents. But it looks like by having every contract free agent but one is a one-year deal – that he's going to try to build this team from the from the bottom up, from the draft up, take what's good of what they had, and then move on. Do you both think that's where they're going? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. That way. Go ahead, yeah, Scott. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I'll defer to Mike because I think Mike's a little more, a little closer to the the team than than I. I mean, clearly than I am. But um, it just seems like there are so many holes to fill. And yeah, they they filled some of those, and they're you know they've addressed some of those needs. So I think they're going to be more competitive, perhaps, than they were last year. That doesn't mean that you know they're playoff bound or any of that kind of stuff. It's just there. It's not you know 2021 looks okay. Uh, there are holes to fill in the long term, and it's just about you know maximizing where they are in the draft and what they have, uh, and you know kind of looking at the picks that they have going forward and how they can fill these holes. So yeah, I mean it, you know I think that. Brad Holmes is a big job, you know, ahead of him with with all of the you know, the holes they have pretty much along their roster. I don't know if Mike agrees, but um, that's you know that's kind of what I see. Yeah, I, Scott, I agree with you. I think they can have a better team uh, in 2021 than they had a year ago. In other words, a team that ascends during the season, but and still have a worse record, but yeah. be in better shape for 2022 and beyond. And I think one of the things they've done is they didn't marry themselves to any contracts that can weigh them down. I think the only multi-year contract among those free agents, correct me if I'm wrong, is the running back from Green Bay they signed, and I think they had to give him two years to get him. I think that's a smart thing because he's still a young player, 
And, you know, yeah. you know that how, how running backs age quickly in the National Football League. But the rest of them are guys who, who fill roles. And, you know, it's sort of like a one-year make-it-prove-it type of deal for all of them. It's none of these guys who are 32, 33, 34 years old hanging, you know, hanging on all beaten to death and hanging on for one last payday. So I think it's it's the way to go. And, and as you move along as in building your roster in future years, you can start, you know, putting more money into free agency. But this is the right way to go. It's, it's what I would do. I think it is yeah, and I think they're almost in some ways forced to do it to do it this way with the, with the COVID season and and uh, you know um, the salary cap coming down to to a point where they had to facilitate some of these one year deals where this is just the way it worked. I, I think maybe one of the outliers is Michael Brockers, but he's still a very effective player. Uh, you know, coming in and filling a need for them, giving them you know much more uh, competitive defensive linemen than they had. And depth, and and that's going to matter. Um, you know, instantly their their defensive line went from looking like it had holes they absolutely needed to use, you know, draft picks for, to suddenly, you know, okay, we can we can defer a little bit there. You know, I mean, I think you're, we know, pass rushers. You can always use pass rushers. You can always use those guys. So I mean, that doesn't take them out of the out of the mix for a defensive lineman. It's just uh, you know having an interior guy like that there. And a guy who can set some culture and, and set things, you know, in, in a good direction that helps them right now and going forward. Right. I think that this league is going toward overall with the salary cap and the, the high-end guys getting paid much more that your football team of 53 is basically going to be 15 core guys and everything else is interchangeable. You're going to have a 15 that you have to have, and, you know, those are, that includes some specialists, but it's going to be – you know, your left tackle, your your, your quarterback, a, a skill player, a D end, uh, you know, things like that, a corner. But other than that, you're going to see guys moving all the time from this point on because with the contracts being so big, you're not going to be able to keep everybody. You got to make you got to make what position can I get by on with a cheaper person or a rookie or, you know, a young player and what are core guys I need. And I think the Lions, I don't think they have their 15 core guys yet. So that's what they don't. They but need that, you're bringing up a really – good point that people need to be paying attention to is and and it has to do with first round picks and their fifth year option now obviously you know if you if you if you're signing a guy to a fifth year option that 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 means there's been some level of success but we have to remember that the lions have pick seven this year then they have two first round picks next year and two first round picks the year after that's five guys that you have to sign to potential big money all in and around the same time you know what I mean? So right. this is that's the core, I think, of what you're talking about is they need to hit on these first-round picks and then find value, you know, in the middle to the later part of the draft. And, and Brad Holmes has been able to do some of that with some of the some of the defensive backs that they found and, you know, some of the receivers. They seem to have a bit of a, a mold at the receiver position. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I know Mike said that he gave uh, Jamar Chase to the Lions with his last mock, and I think, you know, that's a – Jamar Chase is a great wide receiver, a great prospect coming into you know, college wide wide receiver. I mean, it's always this is always a big leap to go to you know jump from college to the NFL. But Jamar Chase had an incredible season two years ago, and you know, I mean, if he ends up the pick, uh, Lions fans should be very happy. Well, let's go through this. You know, I, oh, you got you want to finish on that, Mike? I'm just going to add one last thing when we're talking about the 50 year options and all that. I think one of the one of the uh, marks of whether you've had good drafts is how many se- how many players you have on your roster who have second who are on their second contract when they've been yeah. drafted by your team, whether it's the Lions or the Patriots or whoever. And there's a dearth of those players on the Detroit Lions roster. And there has been, 
And I think that going forward, you want you want those decisions, hard decisions, on whether to another either number one pick up the fifth year option or number two, and which is just as attractive in a way, but it might cost you a little bit more, is to re-sign them early, as, yes. as, as early as the rules permit. So I think it's not quite as dire pictures you might paint because it really indicates that you're on the right track. Well, I'm going to give you a Oh, it's the best but... case scenario is yeah. if you've got difficult decisions to make about the five players that you took, that means you you crushed those picks. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great scenario. Right. And I'm gonna we, give you we hope that they have difficulty doing that. Yeah, I'm going to give you an example of what you're talking about is the Galladay deal. He got to a point, they had to make the decision, but that was a pick that progressed to the point where you could make the decision, should we keep him or let him go? And they decide to let them go, and they'll get the comp pick. But those are the guys. That's where you want to get to. You don't want to get to a point where, like uh, Giovanni told by, where you know we want to let him go. You want to get yeah. to a point where we need to decide how much is it going to be worth to keep him. But he's a good player that we can use. So we and we're winning games, and we need right. to continue winning games. Right. So we need him. Right. Because yeah. yeah. usually that we'd have, they would have been asking, well, should we keep Tease Tabor another year now? Should we keep um, whoever the second-round pick was that failed before and the second-round pick? You know, these guys that are second-round picks that you don't want back. You know, those are wasted picks. Those are guys yeah. that, you know, you just – you paid. That's about all you can say for it. So I expect more out of this new regime, hopefully, than they did the last one. But I want to start with this. Can we both agree, all three of us agree, that Lawrence and Wilson are the first two picks? That pretty much set in stone? I mean, as far as we know, um, would it would it be a total stunner if if Zach Wilson was not the second pick? I think it would be a total. I mean, I think it would be very surprising. But you know, I mean, this is the, the surprises have happened in the past. I, I mean, I guess to answer your question, yes, it would be a surprise. But you know, it's the NFL draft, and sometimes things happen. Right. But for right now, for purposes, Mike, you think that's yeah. That's pretty good, Mike. I, I think it's I, I think it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent certain that those are the first two. All right, pick number three, and I, I've talked to Scott about this on Twitter before. Message we sent. Pick number three is San Francisco. They traded up for somebody. I, a lot of people say they would have took whatever quarterbacks there, but I think you trade up like that, you know who you want. So Scott, are you, are you thinking they notice Mac Jones now, unless Mac Jones does something totally crazy in the next two weeks? I don't know. I mean, I would love to feel certainty about that uh, I agree with you totally that that there I don't think a team gives up everything that they gave up to go to three just to say eh, whoever spills there and you know is doesn't go pick one or pick two we're comfortable with I just don't I'm not sure that's how smart people do business uh, you know smart NFL people uh, that I mean I think there could be a couple players that they like there but I but I think that if you read the tea leaves a little bit, they talk to the Jets for a couple of weeks, and I think it's clear that the 49ers know who the Jets are taking. So, you know, we're assuming that it's Lawrence and Zach Wilson off the board. So then you're looking at Trey Lance, you're looking at Justin Fields, you're looking at Mac Jones. You know, um, yeah. it's tough. That's a tough scenario because, you know, I mean, do you, do you give up all that capital? I'd, I want to hear Mike's opinion on this too, but I, I'm not sure you're giving up all that capital for a player like Mac Jones. But I can see, you know, in Kyle Shanahan's offense, how he can be very effective and maybe an upgrade over over, Jim, over Jimmy Garoppolo down the line. You know, I think that's reasonable to think, but that's a lot to give up for a player like Mac Jones. I think this. I think that uh, that Kyle Shanahan is looking at a win now proposition, a lot like the Rams are on a little older roster than, than, than the 49ers have. 
And I think that he's put wants to put a quarterback in that position for this year and next year and the year after uh, to contend, you know, for a conference championship and the Super Bowl all three years. And I think I'm not saying this is exactly what I would do. I mean, I, I like the theory and all that. I just don't necessarily like the selection of the player. And I think Matt Jones fits his model for right now. I don't think he's looking at a 12-year development project and a uh, farewell speech and you know on the. Uh, midfield in, in, in 2034 or whatever year it would be. I think he's looking at 2021, 22, and 23 because they have a really good chance. They've got a good football team when healthy. It looks healthy now. Got a lot of starters returning and high-level starters, and that's what I think he sees in Matt Jones, and, and we'll see if he's right. You but, think he's but, got yeah, the I final mean, call? I think Do you think he has the final call? Or does the GM have the final call, Mike? Because well, I think you know, I think it's Kyle Shanahan in this case. Yeah, you think absolutely. He's, you think because well, he and Lynch, he and Lynch came in relatively together, and they're kind of you know they're kind of tied at the hip. They see you know they're they're brought in as a team, much like what we have here in Detroit and Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Right. And, but if it uh, fails, and, who's going to get the blame? It's not going to be Shanahan gets the blame. It's going to be Lynch. Well, they're, they're, gets but they're the not. Blame. Do, but they're not doing it for it to fail. They're doing it for for it to work. We're looking at it that way. They're not. That's not the way. It well, I think, and I think Mike, you're onto something. It's if they view. If they view Mac Jones as a player who gives them a reasonable ceiling very quickly as a player, and and they think it's a three four year type of thing that where they have their winning window and they're going to pay him on a on a rookie deal to get right. them you know the winning games, I think that makes a ton of sense if they view the other players as needing time. So if they view you know Trey Lance as needing time before he can start before he can play at at a, at a reasonable level for them. If they view Fields the same way, then I understand the Mac Jones stuff. I just think that maybe you didn't need to go to three to do it, but then that's sort of like that's like pick in in if it works for them, it's like picking apart on it's like nitpicking it. You know what I mean? Like if it works, then good on them. Yeah. Congratulations, you made a great move. And you're good. And you're getting a starting quarterback for the next four years at something like nine million dollars a year, thirty-six mil or thirty-eight or whatever, you know, whatever yep. the, the rookie pool number is, and that's Zach Johnson for one year. Yeah, okay. uh, uh, you know, that's Zach for one year in Dallas. Right. Okay. So it's a quarterback. We all know it's a quarterback. So we can say first three picks, yes. first three quarterbacks. So it'll be three quarterbacks gone. Let's get quick. Cause I want to get to the Lions thing. We got Atlanta. Now this is the linchpin of the draft to me. If they're taking a quarterback that takes quarterback number four off the board, if they don't and take one of the skill position players or linemen, then that takes one of the – I got the – to me, I got a list of five guys, Fields, Pitts, Chase, Sewell, and Lance. One of those guys will be there when the Lions pick. That's assured. So that's what I'm looking at here. So, um, Mike, I think we talked about it last week where you thought that Atlanta was going. But, Scott, do you think Atlanta's going more toward a, a position player or a quarterback? I think it's very dependent on what they think of Matt Ryan. I know that they're tied, you know, with the restructure of him, um, you know, for a little while, but it's, it's tough. You know, I mean, I could see how they, they, they need to be moving on at some point from him, but there's so much tied into so much money tied into him as a player right now that I would think that maybe going with a uh, skill position type, like a Kyle Pitts or a Jamar Chase, somebody like that, I mean, it feels like it's overkill with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and, and Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage and some of the other players that they have. But, but you know, it really maxes out the ver- the summer of, uh, you know, Matt Ryan's career. It's just, to me, it's not necessarily about Atlanta maybe taking quarterback. It's about Atlanta trading out for mm-hmm. a team coming up for a quarterback. That I think that's, there's a potential there. And, Mike, 
you still hold I think if you want I, I think yeah I think if you want development it's 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 Trey Lance I think if you want somebody who might be able to come in who's, who's played you know major comp, competition in college then it's Justin Fields out of out of Ohio State and, and there's really I think Atlanta's in a good spot I think whatever they do they're going to be happy with whether it's one of those two quarterbacks whether it's whether it's Pitts or Chase or whether it's trading I, I just I think they're in a good position uh just, but there's no guarantee on 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 the, on the decision working. But I think they're in a good spot, just like I think the Detroit Lions are three picks later. Right. I always say when I look at a new GM, though, look quarterback. I just I don't know if it's going to happen, but new GMs always want to make their mark, and that's why I never rule out quarterbacks. But we'll move past that. Cincinnati, you know, a Sewell or Lance. I think we all can agree to that. It's one of the two, whichever way well, they want. Hundred percent. It's got to be to me. It's Sewell or Jamar Chase. I'm sorry, Chase. That's what I meant, Chase. I meant okay. Chase. Yeah, so I'm going to say because the, the, right. the, the connection wide receiver, between right. Burrow and Chase, right. man. It's either, it's either Sewell or Chase, one of the two. Yeah. Look, I, I've yeah. had Sewell twice and, 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 Chase, and Chase once. It's Sewell. In my heart, I think it's Sewell. Okay. So, I think you're – I mean, I, you would think that them bypassing on a player like Panay Sewell is almost – um, well, I guess there's two ways to look at it, but it almost feels like it's dereliction of duty kind of thing. Like <laughs> you just you drafted Joe Burrow, almost killed him, <laughs> and now you're ignoring helping. So the, the problem is, is they have Jonah Williams playing left tackle. They drafted him two years ago. If you're taking Panay Sewell, you're either moving Jonah Williams or you're playing Panay Sewell at, at right tackle, which I would be totally fine with. But there is something to think about with that connection between Burrow and Chase and how uh, just how electric those guys were two years ago. When when things broke down, and it didn't happen a lot, but when it broke down for Burrow and he would leave the pocket, he constantly found Jamar Chase down the field. Those guys have those guys have chemistry, and it's obvious to see it on film. And it makes me wonder if they're going to get lured in by the kind of the sexy nature of that kind of pick. But but I tell you that I think that if they did that and went with a player like Alex Leatherwood, um, you know, in round two, or or maybe even move. Up, I mean, I know I know it's super risky. It, it would it's it would be such a big gamble to do something like that. But I could see a team like Cincinnati falling for that, where mm-hmm. I think the smartest thing to do is just to settle on Penny Sewell, draft a wide receiver if you really want to in round two. But, I mean, it's something that requires a little consideration. That yeah. They may not do that. They may fall for Jamar Chase. Well, I, I wouldn't do it if I had Burrow. No. I, I mean, if, if Burrow was a Detroit Lion and, we, and the Lions' offensive line looked like the Bengals' offensive line, I would be running to the podium for Penny, for Penny Sewell. Exactly. Running. Yeah, the Burrow, the Burrow um, Chase connection could be in the emergency room because I'm telling you right now, you got to keep that guy upright. And a 20 year old tackle, this guy can play 15 years for you. I mean, he's we 20 years old. We talked a long time about Panay Sewell. He, he, it is incredible that his story is crazy. It, uh, he was a 17 year old starter as a freshman for Oregon. Uh, we saw him in 2019. Game one was against Auburn, and they had a really good defensive line. Marlon Davidson went in the second round. Derek Brown Derek was Brown. a seventh overall pick. You know they had they had players and he, I mean he shut down Marlon Davidson. Now it didn't look pretty all the time, but we're talking about a a, a kid who's 18 years old at the yeah. time. Yeah. He he is 20 currently. He will be 25 years old when he when he gets to his <laughs> second contract. He is, no. you know, like I said, if it were me, I'd be running to the. That's a no-brainer pick. And maybe we, maybe we shouldn't take Atlanta out of that either. I, I, we scooped yeah. over, but he's a guy Atlanta might take too, Mike. 
Well, then, you know, that, that, that's possible. But from this standpoint, we're talking about two or three guys who are going to be gone. So from the Detroit Lions standpoint, sitting at seven, look, let the guys in front of you beat their brains sure. out. You don't care. As long, sure. as, long as, long as one of your guys is there right. when you get to seven. So we'll put in Miami. You hope, you, 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 I'm sorry, just one way you hope it's somebody takes a fourth quarterback, but if they don't, there are still other good players on the board. Right. So assuming where we go that he ta- they take Sewell, uh, Miami's going to take Chase. If they don't, I mean, on land, yeah, Chase. I don't know why I keep getting those two confused. But anyway, Miami's taking Chase. I don't think they're taking Pitts. But then I could be wrong, too. Mm. I could be wrong, too, but I, I think they'll take Chase. Don't ask me why I picked him. I think he – I don't know. What do you think on that, Scott? I mean, I think it's logical. They need to give two weapons. You know, um, they also, but they, you know, they have picks. They have another pick in round one. They have multiple picks next year. Um, the Pitts thing is interesting because they have a player who's they not like Gile- Pitts. They got Jacecki, right? Jacecki is there. Yeah, yeah. And he's not your inline. You know, your prototype big tight end who who you attach to the line of scrimmage. He he's more a move player too. Right. So Pitts, Pitts is, while I think no matter where he goes, he can be productive if, if you know, used right, meaning play him out of the slot, play him on the boundary. Uh, you know, um, we can get into it with the Lions and how I think he could really change things for the Lions offense. Oh, uh, we're not getting want. into that today. Oh. No Pitts Lion talking here today. I don't want to get Michael Harris' head exploding again. Oh, no. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> no, we wake up, Mike. That. But it, it is, I mean, pieces, you know. I'll put the pieces back together after this conversation. <laughs> oh, jeez. Did, did the puzzle just come apart? <laughs> hey, but let's, let's, let's do it like this. Let's do it like this, then. Just say they take a receiver. Um, So you have Lance, Pitts, or Lance, Chase for the Lions. Those are your two choices. So, and Fields. You got Fields there. We haven't talked about Fields. So say those three are there when the Lions. What about Jalen Waddle? Well, Waddle and, and um, Devontae, yeah, those are there too. So okay. I knew you would add those two. Anyway, of all those picks there, Mike, I'm going to get Mike first. I like to see Mike's head explode. Who are you taking, Mike? At this scenario right now, who am I taking? I'm taking Micah Parsons. I'm back to Micah Parsons for the third time. <laughs> he was Three out of four. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. Now, of, of those four, which one would I take? Michael Parsons. Is, is, it, is it Chase versus uh, versus Fields and, or uh, Pitts? Well, Chase or Chase, you got Lance. Um, I'm not taking Lance. You got Lance and either Chase or Pitts. One of the two will be there. And Fields. What, what about what? And Fields. I'm taking Chase. Okay. I'm taking a receiver who's built to play receiver. Okay. And, uh, Scott, where do you go from there? Yeah, I I, if, I mean, if we're talking that it's between Jamar Chase Well, you can take Waddle. your other two, the Waddle and the Devontae Smith. You can put those in, too. I just – I mean, I'm well, giving, I'm I giving Waddle – can, can I take Micah Parsons, then? Yeah, you I could, could – I told you could, I told you could take you Micah Parsons. You set of rules for I told you you could take Micah Parsons. I said you could have <laughs> it. That's not fair. <laughs> I said you could have this it. This is discrimination of the worst kind. <laughs> I said you could – look. Anti-linebacker. Anti-pit state. Why do you hate linebackers, Ken? Because I can, I feel linebackers you get the second and third round. I, I tell you what, the guy from uh, Tulsa is just as good a player to me. No, he's he not. is. He's just yes, a good a player. He's just a he's good a player. He's different. Let's put it that way. He's different. But it, they're different 40. players. <laughs> okay, so who do you I am t- not a Parsons guy. I, I'll be totally honest. I don't know that there's a value in taking um, a player like Parsons at pick seven because – 
so as Parsons is an elite athlete. It is ridiculous the way he moves. But just to make the assumption that he's going to develop into a, a player, you know, who you can drop into coverage, and is a you know a three down linebacker. It's just it's a, it's making an assumption that I think we've seen uh, you know players not be able to do. Uh, he needs to attack. He needs to come forward. He needs to run through gaps. He does it incredibly well. But there is a touch of Jared Davis in his game where you can see him get out of out of the wrong gap. You can see him overrun plays. It, you know, it just it it boils down to whether or not to me it boils down to whether or not you value um, a middle linebacker who's not going to give you a ton in pass coverage. That's that's kind of where it is. And to me, I you know I'm I'm looking at a player like Zayvon Collins, like Ken, like you just mentioned, where I, I think he gives you a little more. In some ways, now he's nowhere near as physical as Parsons. He's nowhere near as physical as Parsons. So I mean, we gotta we gotta give Parsons credit for for you know what he is as a player. There's some off the field with Parsons that's not great. Right. So that's mm-hmm. something that needs to be. Uh, he he's needs off to my talk board. About. He's off my board because of that. I'm, I, I like the player, but that uh, the off the field stuff, and I'm not gonna put his business out in the street. You guys can Google it. He's off my board just because of that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I don't think putting his business out there is smart business right. for anybody. Right. But it's but there. it's there. It's there for you to read, and it's uh, yeah, it's there for you to read, and then you make your own choices with him. But of all the players now we got, who would you take? Would you take the quarterback, the receiver? Who's your guy, Scott? Well, we talked a little bit earlier about the the molds for Brad Holmes, and to me, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you can make a mistake taking Jamar Chase at any point. He's like Mike said. He is built to play receiver. He's very physical. If anything, uh, his physicality sort of hides some of his speed. Uh, so what I mean by that is when you watch film of him, there are times when it looks like this isn't the fastest guy, right? I mean, he's he's fast enough. He plays in the SEC. There are moments when he runs away from SEC defenders, but there are also times when he wants to mix it up and he wants to get physical. He wants to play a physical brand of football. And that kind of hides what he is speed-wise. Now, is he? He ran four three eight at his pro day, and I do not believe that he would run four three eight in India. He's more of a four five runner, but that's not an issue. There, there is no issues with his speed at all. He's a, you know, he's a phenomenal college prospect. Jalen Waddle to me fits more of the the mold of receiver that Brad Holmes has drafted. Um, He's he's a touch smaller. He's five foot ten, one hundred and eighty pounds, but he is. If you know, we have Jared Goff now, and Jared Goff needs to trust his receivers to be open before he will throw the ball to them. In Waddle's route running and quickness, he's going to uncover very quickly. So where Jamar Chase wants to win with with the ball in the air, Jalen Waddle's going to run into space, and he's going to be open quicker than than where you know than what Chase will be open. So I, I would be looking at Jalen Waddle, but. That this is the beauty of what Mike said earlier is that the Lions are going to be in a position where somebody's going to fall to them because of what's going in front of them. That you think, all right, this is a very good player, whether it's whether it's the the position as wide receiver, or I know I don't want I don't want to mention Pitts because I don't want Mike to be mad at me, <laughs> but he would do he would do things here that I think would make the Lions' offense relatively unlike anything else because they already have your tight end attached to the line of scrimmage in TJ, in TJ Hawkinson. And it's just, you know, there are things he could do. But, I mean, you know, if you're giving Goff a, a weapon in round one and you really want Goff to work, I think that's a, that's a smart way to go about mm-hmm. things. 
We have not talked about tackle. Uh, you know, I mean, if Penny Sewell's on the board at seven, don't you think the oh, Lions we, should yeah, run that? Well, we already talked about that. that uh, oh, you, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Penny Sewell's there. We're not even having any discussion. Matter what about Rashawn Slater? Well, that's the discussion you can have. If you think Slater is worth a top seven pick or is he worth a trade back a couple of picks and taking a seven. But let me – before you get to that, the Slater part, I just want to say this. I'm in favor if one of the quarterbacks is there taking the quarterback and just be damned, get a receiver in the second round or third round. If the if a quarterback I got rated high, if Lance is rated higher than Fields or Field rated higher than Lance, I have no problem with him taking him. Because you're going to get value out of that even if you don't use him here. If golf comes in and turns in a marvelous performance, you can always pedal him off next year. You can pedal that guy off. You can get your value back out of him. And he wouldn't have played and you get your value back. But to me – this is a quarterback league. I'm sorry. Receivers now, they're coming out six a year now because of just the way the game is played and how colleges are turning out receivers. So the difference between the best receiver and a good receiver and the best quarterback and a good quarterback, the difference in the quarterback to me is more. And you, can't, you, can't, you, you hope to not be this high again in, a few, in the next few years. Yeah, that's the thing. Go ahead, yeah, but just one thing. I don't think you draft a quarterback in the top seven with the purpose of with the, with the intent of, of moving them along for value later. No, I didn't say you have had to. I'm just saying if, if golf turns no, in a miraculous performance. But I don't think he is. I'm just saying I don't think he is. But if in case he does and you think he's the guy, then you still get your value. I'm just saying that's the, the back end of drafting a quarterback that you still have a chance if the other guy is great that you can still get rid of him. But I think – the quarterback you draft is going to be the quarterback you're going to go with. I think Lance or Fields is going to be a 10-year guy. So I would think that if the Lions draft a quarterback at seven and don't trade up, that they love that player. I mean, does that make sense, Mike? Like, they wouldn't – Yes. You're not – you don't have golf for two years to draft a quarterback in this draft unless you just cannot pass that guy up. I don't see that happening. As much as, you know – we want them to figure out the position and, and sort of reset the franchise. They did that with Goff. They're going to give him every chance to, to fail. The nice thing about what they did in the Stafford trade is that they have opportunities. To, I mean, they hit the quarterback market with Goff. They have two picks next year. You can you can move around and go find your quarterback next year if Goff fails. They have two they have two picks in the first round in 2023. Same thing. So the way I'm seeing it, and I could be wrong, is the way I'm seeing it is they would ha- they would have to covet. The, the quarterback who fell to them, and I'm just I don't I don't know that that's happening. I guess is you know I, and I think that Ken I think it, it makes sense what you're saying. You know if you'd love a quarterback, take him. You don't have to give anything up. You know you're not moving up a few picks to go get him. You know and uh, you know we're not going to be. In, I mean you hope they're not in a situation where they're picking in the top three or four next year and and you know what I mean then, then right. things things went very badly. Right. But I think that you need to give Goff a chance. Uh, that's just what I think, and, and I think that wide receiver is the way to do that, but the Rashawn Slater stuff is interesting. Uh, it, the other way to do that is to keep him protected and make him feel comfortable. And the Slater's a really good tackle. He'll play right tackle for you for a long time. You know, solidified the right side of the offensive right. line, and right now that's not, that's not a solid thing. No, but the only, uh, thing, the only thing to your point and Mike's point too about Slater is you got your left tackle sign and you got a good left tackle. So, to me, the urgency of a right tackle in the first round, in the top ten of a first round, is lesser to me because you can find a right tackle in the second round. You can find a right tackle in free agent. You can find a right tackle. You got your best side covered, so you're good. So, that's why I'm saying I would take a chance on something else 
of equal value before I would do the tackle, even though Slater's a good I think player. I think, I think you're undervaluing. Under, we've talked about this before. I think you're undervaluing the right tackle. That's. I think the difference between left tackle and right tackle has changed dramatically in the last six, eight, ten years. The way they, the way the way they throw the ball, the way they play it with the five receiver formations. You need two good tackles now, not just one. Mike is right, and if you look at wait a minute, let me repeat that. Let me get let me get the tape recorder on. Say that again, Scott. No, Mike, he Mike is, is right. He, he crushed let me, it. Let me put this down, okay, Mike. Remember the time this happened. He should just repeat what he just said. Nobody has to say anything. It's perfect. All the really good pass rushers, like like the rare pass rushers at the NFL level, are coming over the right tackle. They just are. So. Mike's right. The, the the mentality that your blind side's protected and you can just throw whatever you, whatever you know red meats out there to play right tackle for you, that's not how the game is played anymore. You need a right tackle who can protect. And right now, looking at the Lions' offensive line, you have a, an elite center. Jonah Jackson looks like he you know he could be an ascending player. Taylor Decker is a very good left tackle, but then on the right side of the offensive line, it's is. Is is Vitae going to play right right tackle? Is he going to play right guard? Can he function at either of those positions? I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, I I know that if if you're Jared Goff and you're much more comfortable, uh, the way he plays, he's much more comfortable not being pressured. You do need to solidify the right side of that offensive line, though. Yet, can you find right tackles in round in round two? Yeah, but you're not finding a player like Rashawn Slater in round two. You're just not. Mm-hmm. All right. In fact, I would tell you it'd be—it's a luxury to have him playing right tackle for you. But the, it would take the Lions' offensive line from being what I would consider, you know, a good offensive line to to a fairly elite offensive line as long as Slater pans out. And that may do more for Goff than anything to keep him comfortable. Right. And I think that that's something that the Lions are invested in is making Goff work. All right. We're going to go a couple um, yeah. extra minutes today. We're at 30, but I want to go a couple – I got a question for both of you guys before we get to that, and this is about the tackle thing. Mike, what is the tackle, the guy that uh, from Iowa that changed from defensive uh, tackle to offensive tackle? Oh, Matt Nelson? Yeah. Do you see a future with him? Because he was an intriguing yeah. prospect. I mean, I'm just wondering when we talk about right tackles, is he a potential starter or is he just going to be a backup in your mind? Well, I think he's a potential starter, but I think it's a project, and I don't think it's—I don't think his future's in 2021 or. It's not okay. That's what probably. I want to know. So it's not in any of the next yeah. two years. I don't—I don't think he's—I don't think he's a walk-in starter in 2021. No. Okay, okay. That's I what like I'm... what he presents, but but I think there's more to go. Okay. Now. Yeah, and it, it maybe down the road for him, he's a swing tackle, a guy who helps you, you know, on your your 46-man, you know, game day roster kind of thing. But I don't think he's a player that you're avoiding. He's not a player you're looking at and thinking, yeah, in two years he's going to start for us, so we don't need to worry about that position. You know, he's not that guy. All right. Well, the last thing we're going to talk about today, we've gone a long time. This is a very special podcast for you people out there. I know you're right intent with this because you don't get I'm Scott off and you don't get Mike off. Okay? Well, you, hey, you just been called right, Mike. So I was passed out. You fell asleep. We get to pick seven. Yes. Which way do you go? A trade down, and how far would you trade down or just take the seventh best player on your board? I'm going to ask each of you to do that question. That's your two choices. The only two choices you have. You can trade down, and you got to give me how far you will go, and or would you just stick with the seventh best player on your board? Scott, I'll start with you. Can I, can I ask a question before sure, I answer sure, it? Sure. What are you getting? Well, just say you're getting fair value. Just say you're getting um, – well, it depends on how far you go down. If you're going down to 19, like to the Redskins, you're getting the number one next year. 
I'm just saying, yeah. just for for sake of this argument, the conversation means nothing. Just say you're getting fair conversation to move down. Just okay. how far would you go down? We're talking just player now. How far back would you go to pick a player in the first round? I, you know, I would. In a perfect world, I'd like to, you know it'd be great for them to fall back just far enough to where they could take a defensive player who gives them appropriate value. So who that defensive player is, uh, possibly Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Um, you know, a defensive end, a pass rusher type who 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 can really help you. Uh, maybe not in 2021, but in in the future, they do have time to develop these guys. That's the one problem with with pick seven is that. If we're, if we're, I know Mike likes Parsons, and, and he's obviously a defensive player. But if, the, if for some reason the Lions don't, there really isn't a defensive player worthy of that, of that, you know, of pick number seven. There just isn't. So moving back to say, fifteen puts them in a position where they could take one of the better defensive players in the class, and you'd still be, I think you'd be, you'd be getting a future first round pick to make that kind of a move. I'd be all over that. I think that makes a ton of sense. And then it opens up the doors for the possibility of taking a defensive player. And the Lions have needs there. You know, it's, it's not just a few needs. They, you know, they need pass rusher. They need some interior help for down the road. Uh, they need multiple linebackers. They, you know, they need a safety. They need, uh, you know, they have a young, they have a young cornerback group, but you know, there are holes. So the intriguing part of a trade back is, is being able to address the defensive side of the ball and not necessarily being stuck into taking an offensive player. So, and but then that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier: is all these fifth-year options and first-round picks. You'd have three first-round picks next year. It's a great scenario if you if you're looking to move some of them to you know to make some things happen. Uh, Holmes has done that in the past. He, you know, he moved two first-round picks for for Jalen Ramsey. The Rams have not had a first-round pick in a little while. He's been aggressive with those picks. So. If you're saying he's going to be super aggressive with those picks to go get players he covets, then I, I like the idea of having more of those. All right. Michael? Well, first of all, Kenny, I was hoping you'd say at seven, would you trade up? I was going to say, <laughs> no, you can't. You're at seven. <laughs> where are you going to go? Him. Yeah, where are you going to go? <laughs> but anyway, you disappointed me, but I'm glad you didn't do it. I wouldn't go past 12, I don't think. And the only reason, the only way I'd go past 12 is if I got another offer to move back again, and it could really pile up some draft picks for the future. But I think 12 is about as far as I would go because you're starting to – look, you're already getting out of the blue chips, even sitting at seven probably. There's probably one or two more players there who qualify uh, qualify as a blue chip prospect. But uh, 12 I think would be my absolute limit. And, and I think you'd still be in a good position. You'd still get a good, good player, but there might be one or two there that – I guess it would be depending on who who I'd be leaving on the board. Mm-hmm. If yep. I had a guy I liked and really liked that that I wouldn't trade. I really okay. wouldn't. I take I take the player because that's what the draft is about: is getting players. Right now, this is what I would do. I will go back to nineteen, but you got to get me your second and next year's one at least. You might have to throw something else in so I could get to nineteen. And if I have to put a second in to move back up, I would do it. I know that's a long way to say. I would go to 19, but I would only go to 19 if I got enough ammunition to move back up this year, and that's not counting the number one pick you're giving me next year. So yeah. if I can get three number ones next year and I got two ones, I mean, I got a one at 19, two twos, two threes, and you might have to give me another, so three threes, then I can move around 19 back to 11 or 12 or 13 if I needed to. So that's the only way I would go back to 19. The Washington deal, you'd have to give me a two and a three 
and a one for next year. So that's it. Other than that, I wouldn't. I'm with the rest of you guys. I wouldn't go back. Maybe to Denver to nine if they wanted to come get a quarterback. Ten Dallas if they wanted to get Pitts if he was there. Something like that. That's about as far as I would go. I wouldn't go back to fifteen to New England. So that's well, you make. A, I mean, you make a compelling argument for for going back to nineteen and then coming back up with you know if you wanted to get up to you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen range for a defensive player kind of thing. Uh, that's yeah. it's always easier to do that in you know in these kind of settings than it is for them to do something like that during the draft and and to go back to nineteen with the intent purpose to come back up is tough. That that's a tough thing. I'm not sure that. I mean, I think that would be, they'd have to get very fortunate for that kind of a thing to happen. Sure, I don't sure. know if Mike agreed, but... But you know. that's hard to do on draft day, too. It really is. It really yeah. is. You, you, you do that at the end of March or beginning of April, but it's hard right. to it do It sounds like that's day. something out of a movie. Right. Like, did you watch a movie? And see <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I was watching draft day last night, matter of fact. There but, you uh, go. <laughs> but uh, the thing about it is, if you're walking out of that draft with three first-round picks next year, and you still got a first-round pick this year, no matter what number it was, you're in pretty good shape. You're in pretty yeah. good shape for the future. Yes. So that's where I would be. Use this pick like it's the last gift Patricia gave you because you you can you can do a lot of things with this pick. Just don't that's what my my real beef with Quinn was. He he just wasn't creative enough, Mike. I mean that third pick last year, I'm not gonna relive it. I'm not gonna say and you you both know. I just felt that he was just too stagnant with that, man. He I mean, you got to be a riverboat gam. You gotta you gotta lie and cheat and do whatever you can to have people believe things. You knew in February he was taking Okuda. I mean, it's just it never changed. Yeah, yeah but they were. Who else? Who traded though in the top half of the first round? Nobody. Nobody. And they were yeah, in job saving two, mode. Yeah. Well, that's and the part too. Picks right. changed hands. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Two but picks changed hands, and they were with each other. But this is the so thing, no, there, there right? Were no trades. But this is the thing I always said, and I said it, and I'll say it again. I would have took one of the quarterbacks, and then traded him if somebody gave me a better deal. But at worst, I'm walking out with a quarterback in the top three. And I said that before. I know everybody loves Stafford, who came off a back injury and missed eight games. So you weren't. it wasn't like the pick you were. You might not have used him if it was a quarterback. That was my only thing from last year. I thought the value at three was a quarterback, not a cornerback. So if they would have taken a quarterback last year, what, is the t- what does the tone of this franchise look like? How different does it look? They probably would have not – the, the record probably wouldn't have changed, but yeah, just assume that it's pick seven right now. Right, going into this draft now, your quarterback's taken care of. You can the, the Patrick Sertain and all these guys now come into play where you can move back a little and get your corner. You can trade it up and down. A quarterback falls, you move off totally. You just in a better position right now. And if it was Herbert, you in a damn better position right now. Yeah, I mean, it's. I just don't think that Herbert was in the equation at three, and it's. Well, this is the part know. about that, Scott, which I understand. Herbert was great last year. Can we all agree to that? Yeah. They coached they really him did, at the yeah. Senior Bowl. Did they look at him? I mean, I mean, where you had him right there on your field. How do you not see that? And he played good Senior Bowl week. He did. He did. I was there. He looked every bit right. part of you know. That's, your but you. I'm telling Scott, they weren't even looking at him. They had already decided. That's my point I'm trying to make. You were a senior bowl. Mike, you saw the game. How do you not have a guy right there that size, the way he played, and not even entertain taking him? 
because he wasn't going to help them. Exactly. He and they, help them and they needed to save themselves exactly. by having a miraculous season, and exactly. they thought Akuda might help them. Exactly. Which so so in the scenario where you have a quarterback now, you don't have Akuda, which means at pick seven you're taking Patrick Sertan, right. and you're probably back, pretty right. happy doing that. Yep, you'll move back for that. All yeah. right, well, we got to go. I know it's been, we're 40 minutes in. Could, could you guys, could, could, we, could we stay at least in this decade, okay? Could we do that? Where, where, where are we out of the decade, Mike? Well, we're not, but I'm just being <laughs> Where are we out of the decade? We talk, we're redrafting. Well, look, Mike, every mistake compounds to another year. All right? Well, so you now you have a reset. But now you have a reset. This is your reset. Yeah. You got new GM, new coach. But you still have to pay for the sins of the past. So we're just saying where you go from here and what could have been. That's all. But we are focused on where you're going from here. But don't make the mistake again that if you love a quarterback just because you don't need him, you pass him. That's the that's the lesson from last year. It is. Well, but, but you're, you're assuming the Lions loved Herbert No, I'm just saying if they do. Well, I'm just saying regardless yeah. if they love him or not, I oh, forget it. I'm not getting into that. All right, we'll let it go. We'll let it go. Because I could be here an hour talking about why they should have looked at these two guys. But anyway, all right. Well, that's just, Scott. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, you, Anytime. Uh, it was uh, you uh, gotta be a pleasure pretty, to be with you guys. Yeah, maybe we'll get you back for the draft. Because I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna end up choking Mike one of these weeks. It's just gonna be. I'm, Are you guys in the same room? I'm, I'm just choking. That's I'm, why we do this on the phone. I'm a, right. I'm a real. There you go. If, I'm telling you right now. The only reason Mike is still around is because of COVID. Because we used to do this in person. And right now, Mike, we'd be choking it out right now. But. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Scott Bishop. I'm glad you guys are uh, on Zoom or whatever you're doing. That's this right. Good. All right, that's Scott Bishop, staff writer for the football guy. Check him out with Sean Belizean and the Woodward Sports thing. Thanks a lot, Scott. And Michael Thank Hare. Thank you guys for having me. You guys have a great day. All right, Michael Hare. Right. He'll be doing his mock draft. Check it out on DetroitLions.com. And he'll be having a big thing coming up with the media draft he always does, which is a great thing. Check out DetroitLions.com. Check out the video of um, – the coach at the Ford plant is very, very nice. Very nice and videos you guys good. put out. Really so check yeah, it out. That's up. a nice thing. All right, Mike, next week we're going to be one week before the draft, so we're going to get down to it, all right? Down and dirty. Down and dirty. Thank you very much. That's Michael Hare, Ken Brown, Scott Bischoff. We're out.